and welcome to Crafts and Crime. I'm Amy. I'm Elaine. And as always, we have a craft and a crime. Woo! So we, um, of course, we always try to record as much as possible, but we kind of had to take a little break because oh. I got sick. And then and, I just don't feel right. Yeah. I have like a sinus thing going on because of fall allergies. Mm-hmm. And it's like really. Oh, it's killing Jack right now. Oh, he had to take Claritin so yesterday. Gross. And then I keep forgetting to take my allergy pill. And mm-hmm. I'm like, even with these headphones, I was like, oh, they're pushing on my glands. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the pressure. pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I wasn't feeling. Well, Jack wasn't feeling good last week. And then. Mm-hmm. Um, it went through your house. Yeah. And then it hit me and Avery. and it was like the flu or something so I was pretty much down for like a day and then the next day I was feeling better but like you said I totally should have taken more time (laughs) off but I didn't and I was doing my side gig and should not have taken more orders for you know the laundry orders and I did but I got a good payday so but I wasn't sick when I did it I was just like I'm tired tired. and yeah the sick had already like passed but I probably should have like taken a week off but um yeah and then Oh my gosh, we've had a lot happen. Cause, <laughs> oh my god, the ki- kitten yeah. from yesterday. Yeah, the kitten. Yeah, um, my husband was getting something out of the car, and he walked up, and he was just about to come up the front stairs, and he yelled at me. He's like, "Hey, there's a little kitten out here. It looks just like Geppetto." And I was like, "What?" It's like Geppetto. And I was like, oh. And I walk up and I look right at it. And I was like, oh my gosh, Figaro. And it's the tiniest, cutiest, little fluffiest baby. We thought it was a girl at first, but Mm -hmm. it's because you palpated his testicle area yeah because they're because he's so little they're Mm -hmm. not out and but it was like hard too because he's like really wispy but he's so freaking cute um he does not like other cats and dogs no and i'm thinking he he probably (laughs) had a bad experience outside Mm because i'm telling you i swear i heard a kitten crying saturday night um but I thought I had seen these kids coming up the street and mm-hmm. I thought they were caring. I was like, oh, a they kitten. probably have a kitten. And um, so now I'm thinking that it's been outside at least since Saturday. That's like and, almost um, a week. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's Saturday. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he seems super sweet enough, but I think he's just scared. Yeah. So the animals are freaking him out. And um, so we are actively looking for his owners because yeah. he's like clean and he smells cute mm-hmm. and he's really sweet. And kittens that live outside, they are feral at yeah. that age. There is no walking no, up to it's you. It's either he's someone's pet and I've posted everywhere. Or somebody just dumped him. Yeah. Because, because un- they couldn't find a home mm-hmm. for him. Unfortunately, in our area, that happens a lot oh, yeah. with puppies and mm-hmm. kittens and stuff because um like by the park and stuff they'll mm-hmm. you know dump them and so it's like he could have just wandered over onto our street yeah and, but so we took care of him overnight and we all been kind of socializing him and mm-hmm. he's sweet on his own like yeah. being held by himself <laughs> he's very sweet and he likes to just hang out um but the animals the other animals definitely scare oh him. yeah the chickens don't that's so they've just been balking around all behind him going crazy because i haven't been letting them out uh-huh. unless i'm there and um yeah he's doing awesome he's just in his little Heidi house right now hanging uh-huh. out when he sees me he like pops out and cries a little he bit cries. and I was like you're not mine <laughs> I know but it's funny because guess who wants to keep him 
Kurt? Yes. Oh my gosh. But he he's he's like, no, no, it's totally fine. He's like, that's awesome um, that you guys are trying to find him his home. But we do have a home lined up. Yeah. Only if the owner doesn't step forward, which I don't think they're going to. I don't think so. Because like people who are looking for a cat are going to be looking for everywhere. these. Po- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I that's, would. That's yeah, exactly what I would All the do. local groups. And that's yeah. what I did is I posted... <clears throat> And I've searched for like yeah. lost kitten or missing kitten or, you know, or cat and kitty. I've searched all the <laughs> keywords and yeah. I can't find anything. And so. I think it's kind of perfect because I think he's so meant for my friend. I think it's going to be awesome for her little yeah. family. And he's so freaking cute. And they don't and have he, any other pets. Yeah. And he needs to be like an only pet as mm-hmm. of now because he's just he's <clears> terrified <throat> of all the cats. And he hisses. Yeah, and, for sure. And like I said, he got really spooked. Uh, I think one of the cats caught him by surprise and he got yeah. my chin. Oh, no. And I was like, ow, dude. Oh, God. Little baby kitten razor oh, nails. Oh, it was like two puncture. And it bled you so bad. Thing. It was like, right Oh, because it's so like, sharp. Oh. It slits it. Yeah. So he just got, oh, no. he just got spooked. But yeah. he's, yeah. So he's. Uh, like, and what? then <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um we uh, went on an adventure today mm-hmm. and um me and you and troy we all went on a long 45 minute drive yeah. each way to pick up my daughter's new pet snake mm-hmm. and it's a ball python and she was previously named wednesday which She's keeping as the middle name now, uh-huh. but um, it's Victoria from The Corpse Bride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, she's like so cute. And as soon as we got her settled, she like, came out and drank water and that was yeah, adorable. That was cute. But... Super cute. And then she like went around a little bit and then she went. She's back in the hide hiding hole, before yeah. I came here. Yeah. Yeah, I um drove with a snake in my truck. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not. And the door opened. Yes, the door opened on the way because when it's we a slidey door. Yeah, when we opened it up so Troy could grab it out of the back <laughs> to carry it in the house, I was like, Oh my god, the door's open! It was just. Ugh. Luckily for you, all the commotion. There's no way she would have yeah, come no, out. She's just hiding in her little yeah. cubby, but. Yeah, I can't believe I drove with a snake in my car. I she's mean, big too. She is big. I <laughs> mean, her they. It's funny because she could get a little tiny bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really funny because they're like they have the smallest, squishiest little heads, mm-hmm. and then their bodies are big. And God, she's probably like. Um, I'm all like this big around <laughs> with my hands. She's like the size of like my ri- a no, wrist, a wrist, like a small wrist. Yeah. And um, she's just oh my gosh, my tummy, <laughs> my tummy always makes weird noises. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she's like so cute, she's so pretty. Yeah. And probably like it's funny because it doesn't seem like it when snakes b- coil up. You know, they're mm-hmm. called ball pythons because they make a ball. Mm-hmm. That's how they are comfortable. Um, and that's how they retreat when they're scared, which is all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the funny part. Like I have a tarantula also, and like explaining to people that like they're so shy and they're so fragile like mm-hmm. they can die over anything and um but yeah so like the snake she's they're so they're so shy they always want to mm-hmm. hide and like curl up into a little ball and but she's probably i would say by the look like four and a half feet mm-hmm. long yeah i was gonna say about four feet and i don't think she'll get any bigger than that they yeah. like usually top out at about that maybe mm-hmm. five and i do think that the females are a little bigger but that's pretty common in the animal kingdom in general because they have to bear eggs because mm-hmm. um yeah i don't think 
I don't remember if pythons there there's different snakes that give live birth there's like rat so snakes i know little noodly births but yeah. um no, but a lot I'm of not, them are in i'm eggs. not opposed to snakes i'm just not as avery would say i'm just not a fan you know and the thing <laughs> is not my thing the other <laughs> thing too is that they do not mind being held and stuff but they like quiet mm-hmm. and oh, um, definitely <laughs> not be good at my house they, they like quiet um and I mean, all kinds of people have different opinions on whether they are something that wants to be cuddled. How much attention do they seek from us? Mm-hmm. We really don't know. We can't gauge that. Um, but, you know, they do a lot of behaviors that are very curious. So they definitely don't mind their owners. Mm-hmm. But you don't really get a well, lot back curious from when a I went snake. Up to the tank <laughs> yeah. and like looked at her mm-hmm. she like came up to the glass yeah, and, and looked she's at like me. what's happening like, you know hey, but are you? but i get it because like the thing is they're kind of like a just like here here i am it's yeah. cute to look at um and i i love holding them and stuff but for them it's not necessary mm-hmm. and and you know you're not gonna get like happy cuddles like from mm-hmm. a dog or something but i will say like they do like to just be near you because you're warm mm-hmm. and they find that comfortable and so yeah i have a feeling lenora is going to end up needing um a hoodie with a kangaroo pocket <laughs> so that she can put her in the put front her in there. Mm-hmm. because yeah she lenora saved like over a hundred dollars for yeah. her she's been working her butt off and saving all her money and i had no idea <laughs> i felt so bad and so my mom it was so sweet my mom i think my dad too like they helped out with what was uh-huh. left the and little bit that she could. yes and i'm so happy we were able to pull off the well, surprise because this was, was not a thrilled. purchase uh situation it was a rest well not a rescue a, a rehoming situation yeah. from a, yeah. a woman who was having a baby and mm. so it was like she just didn't have the time and was and, realistic mm-hmm. about the situation and like i she needs to go with and it's the family a cost that can, every two weeks mm-hmm. that you have to do to feed them so it's, consistently yeah so it was a rehoming thing not yeah. like you went to a pet store and bought a snake it's no. like no it was someone's it, pet that mm-hmm. they just you know your life changes when you have yes. a baby and you it it is what it is and mm-hmm. i know you don't i would rather same. find a home for an animal that's better suited than keep an animal that's making that that's miserable yeah. or you know making one of your other animals miserable which yeah. was not the case but or your family just... members miserable yeah. like when we had hank oh, we had the yeah. pig we had a pig and um he was great for you know about a year or so and he got to his teenage years and you know i have little kids and he was just getting a little headstrong and um rude and <laughs> And I just, I knew, They're like, strong. yeah, They're oh, he bruised, he bruised my shins so many times headbutting me. Oh, and a um, pig tantrums. Yeah, he would get so mad if I wouldn't let him in the laundry room. And the thing is, it's because they're, like, as smart as, like, a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. So... And as stubborn as a three-year-old, too. <laughs> so I just had to look at the situation realistically, and I was like, I don't have the space in the backyard to set up for him um, where we live now. So I was like, you know what? I bet you there's another family that can use a pig. And we did. We found someone who had, she had two other pigs and, um, and so she took him and it was a good fit. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. If it don't let it anybody hurt. guilt no. you into doing what's right for your family. Cause I can't and tell you better for that animal yes, because I can't tell you how many people in that pig group tore me apart of like, oh. you signed up for this and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, yes, Human I did. children are being but my trampled. children are being knocked over <laughs> yeah. and bit. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not like I would do the same thing with the dog. If my dog was biting my kids, I'd be like, um, you need to go to another family that doesn't have little kids. Exactly. Which is what we had to do with one of our dogs that, um, 
Doris when she was mm, biting. Yeah, oh right. my gosh, she was the worst. She just needed to be an only dog. She cannot be the third dog. <laughs> she needed to be an only dog. And thankfully, we found a family that raised a husky. And so they that's are, awesome. Yeah, they know perfect. the high energy situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they understand her needs. So, yeah. So we just did a bit of a animal mission today and two yesterday because we're trying to find this kitten a home yeah and you know i think we found it already (laughs) yeah i think so i was like i i guarantee you he was just dumped which is really sad but it is so sad it does happen but anyways okay on to the rest of the podcast (laughs) and it was barely any chickens (laughs) no we only mentioned them once (laughs) (laughs) okay so I told you how I was kind of getting stuck with my crafts and mm-hmm. I it's we hard. It. it does because I'm like, man, I want to do this. But then I'm like, whoa, that's going to be like a three part, you know, oh, craft. Yeah. And so it's really hard to decide on what to do. And then in my case, usually I pick something where I'm like, oh, well, there's things that were before that that then mm-hmm. lead into this. Mm-hmm. And so um, and I don't want to hop around too much. But anyways, I um, decided to do. Um, I guess it's more of an art form. Okay. And it is petroglyphs. Sweet. Yeah. Oh my God. We've totally seen I know. some. We were together. <laughs> we were. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got excited. I think that was like 14 years ago. Because uh, yes. Troy was, Troy like was a little bald headed baby chasing after me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we got to so post. We have to go back hour. there. I know. So we live near Petroglyphs, which I will get to in my so we story. No, 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 it's fine because I was like, we totally went. We've seen them in person. I've touched Petroglyphs in yeah. my life. It's really cool. Um, so this is more of like just a basic like history lesson, I guess, more so than a craft because it is a craft. It's an ancient art, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who do not know what Petroglyphs are, they are pictures made on stone uh, by like carving like pecking just abrading the surface so you're scratching off the surface of the rock yeah um and so the word petroglyph comes from the greek word petros which means stone and glyphin which means to carve so to carve stone so they're just like etching into the stone and um there's petroglyphs all over the world and when you look at petroglyphs they're typically of like people or animals we saw a lot of like the animals and petroglyphs and stuff um but sometimes they can be totally abstract um and so there's a lot of theories of like what were they used for were they a form of communication um yeah are they part of a ceremony or like a religious like thing or Mm -hmm. they religious there for religious reasons um so it's all kind of like theory like why are they there so petroglyphs were created before modern civilizations and so this shows the cognitive like evolution of humans over time because Mm. then it's like we started to get smart to like do some art on some stones and like Mm -hmm. it'll stay there if you just scratch off the surface um petroglyphs have been found dating back 10 to 12,000 years and seven to nine thousand years ago pictographs and ideograms then started to make an appearance so pictographs are def- different than uh petroglyphs so pictographs are painted rock surfaces oh okay so like petro- with clay or yes, plants yes okay. and so pet um uh, 
<laughs> I kept getting these like so mixed up. <laughs> Petrograph or oh my gosh, pe- petroglyphs uh-huh. are the stone etching, and that is what they date like way, way, way back. So before mm-hmm. like painting on the surface. Okay. Um, they have been found. These petroglyphs have been found in every single continent on Earth, except for. I want to make a guess. Antarctica. Yes. So we. <laughs> yeah. Antarctica. That's the only place that there's no <laughs> petroglyphs. Um, the most petroglyphs were found in parts of Africa, Scandinavia, Siberia, Northwest, or sorry, not Northwest, Southwest North America, which is our region mm-hmm. where we are in, in that Southern Western region. Yeah. And Australia. So, mm-hmm. like I was talking about how are you know how they're created, um, the surface of the rock is removed by scratching, scarving, scarving, carving, sculpting, mm-hmm. et cetera, just scratching it. And so a lot of times the rock surface will have a patina that is like darker than the inside of yeah. the rock. And so when that patina is scratched off, the That's lighter, so cool surface because, like the minerals oxidize and stuff mm-hmm. like and metal so, yeah <laughs> and so the interior of that stone is then you know is what you see and so yeah. that's why you could totally see that it's just the rock interior um so um as we talked about just a second ago the the meaning for the petroglyphs um everything we have is just theories mm-hmm. um looking at the like location age and like what the image is like helps provide clues but Mm -hmm. it's still just all theories you know there's no like set in stone (laughs) not like this is why they're here (laughs) so (laughs) there are many petroglyphs petroglyphs i'm gonna mess up that word we haven't recorded in a little bit (laughs) (laughs) um that appear to have like cultural or religious significance mm-hmm. um they might represent like some sort of symbolic or ritual language maybe that's mm-hmm. like is this some sort of communication uh petroglyphs from the nordic bronze age in scandinavia mm. show reference to territorial boundaries oh, okay. between tribes as well as possible religious meanings so mm-hmm. i think a lot of it is like is this religious that comes up multiple times mm-hmm uh, the Siberian petroglyphs look like early form of runes, but it's like still maybe, you know, like I said, everything's a theory. Yeah. Um, but what is crazy is how similar all these petroglyphs from all around the world are. They're all very similar. <laughs> we um, literally say it every single episode. We are all the, the same. same. And we have <laughs> we been forever. forever. <laughs> yes. So obviously a lot of them are influenced by like what is around them you know you mm-hmm. draw a tree you draw a deer you draw whatever mm-hmm. you know a mountain and you draw your brother you know whatever yeah. it's everyone kind of does the same thing mm-hmm. um but that's what i was saying the overall style is the same across different like countries and and continents um there is a theory that petroglyphs were carved by spiritual leaders like shamans mm-hmm. in an altered state of consciousness so we possibly <laughs> under the use of hallucinogens <laughs> so that is another theory yeah and like bring back what you saw yeah so now i'm going to talk about some of them there are just go on a wikipedia there are literally like a million bullet points they are all over the world so i'm just going to kind of talk about some more well-known petroglyphs. Okay. So in Africa, there are many famous petroglyph sites. Um, Tassil and Ajur, 
probably said that wrong, in Algeria, has rock paintings and other archaeological sites that date from Neolithic times. And this art shows, like I was talking about your surroundings, it shows herds of cattle, large wild animals like crocodiles, uh, and humans hunting and dancing. And so this art is similar to the pre-Miguni art of South Africa and the region found um, in caves before the year 1200 or yeah, 1200 CE. Um, Quarta, I hate it when I can't say all the names right, on the east bank of the Nile River and the upper Nile Valley has Nubian sandstone formations. Now I'm like picturing sandstone, like a big giant yeah. thing of sandstone. And it has the first and earliest known petroglyphs in the North African region, be dating all the way back to 19 to 15,000 um, BC. So the ancient city of Wadi Hamat in Gift, Egypt, mm. there's a lot in Egypt also, <laughs> um, has many carvings and nice in surfaces to yeah. write on. Um, these date back before like the earliest Egyptian dynasties to like all the way up to the modern era, including the only painted petroglyph known from the Eastern desert and drawings of the Egyptian reed boats. So they, oh. of course their surroundings are drawn, uh -huh. you know, their boats dated to like 4,000 BC. So they carved it out then mm -hmm. painted it. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so, um, there's like, it's all over Africa. They're, like I said, they're all similar but different. And so mm -hmm. some are carved and painted and some are just painted. Mm -hmm. um, and other petroglyphs in Africa, like in different regions, you know, will have like camels, gazelles, giraffes, like animals. It's typically across yeah. all continents is what people would draw. Mm -hmm. uh, think about it. You're hunting your animals and stuff. And so it's you, you're drawing your hunters. And when your what's around you. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happened today? Let me draw it. You know, yeah. let me carve it out of the stone. Um, so Asia is huge yeah. you know it's really large so there's a wide variety of petroglyphs throughout that continent um hong kong actually has eight different sites containing petroglyphs oh, cool. the uh edakal caves in wyand wyand i don't know <laughs> kerala in india because india is in asia yes <laughs> you know, date back around 4000 bc and in the caves are carvings of humans and animals, as well as tools used by humans. Oh, cool. So they could kind of see, like, what they used to hunt or whatever. And then, once again, there's also symbols, which could indicate that they were, like, a civilized or civilization, um, you know, trying to communicate or whatever. So the oldest of these petroglyphs may date back over 5,000 years ago. And the Bang. <laughs> it sounds like you're on the Bang right track. petroglyphs in South Korea mm -hmm. are in an isolated, like, forested area. And there are three major panels in the area that measure three meters high and ten meters in length. Mm -hmm. And um, and they all have petroglyphs on them. And then in Iran, there's some rock drawings that were found in December 2016, they weren't discovered until then oh, wow. in Iran, and they may be the oldest drawings ever discovered with one cluster of those drawings being 40,000 years old. Wow. Yeah. Um, now we can move to Australia. So in 
Mm. <laughs> Marujuga in Western Australia, the world's largest and most important collection of petroglyphs can be found. Ooh, cool. And Aboriginal rock paintings may even date back to the Ice Age. Sweet. Mm-hmm. So really old. There are over a million petroglyph- petroglyphs and many of them show the extinct Tasmanian tiger. Oh, cool. So there's some really cool petroglyphs of Tasmanian tigers. Um, the Sydney rock engravings have images of once again, people, animals, symbols, and all of this was drawn into the sandstone. Once again, sandstone, you know, I'm just thinking the types of rocks they choose. Um, and these sites are actually considered sacred by indigenous Australians, mm. and they are similar to the petroglyphs of Native Americans, but with their own style, and it's unique to that area, like like most cases are. It's just yeah. like it's, it's unique to their area. So... There are, um, now we're moving to South America. There's a bunch of famous petroglyphs in South America. Uh, Cumbi Mayo in Peru is where the ruins of a pre-Columbian aqueduct, approximately five miles or eight kilometers in length. And there's petroglyphs on the aqueduct and then Mm -hmm. in the surrounding areas. So like actually on the aqueduct, (laughs) which is interesting. Um, The Coran... Corintage, I don't know, basin <laughs> in Suriname has um, a lot of petroglyphs as well. And what is interesting about the ones in South America is they are all found near water and they cannot be connected to a specific group of indigenous people. So they're just kind of like, well, mm. there's these drawings here. Like, yeah. we don't know who did Maybe them. Maybe they were passing through or something. Maybe. I don't know. But there was the aqueduct. Because you've got to stop so by like water part... before you go through so you can refill True. your, like, cow bladders or whatever. Yeah. So it just goes to show it's the same as, like, any, you know, civilization. Yeah. It's, you know, people. Yeah, it could be passing through. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. But, yeah, once again, everything's a theory. So, in Europe now, there are sites in France, Ireland, Sweden, Ukraine, and England. Mm. Now, this was really cool, and I will post a picture of this because it was really pretty. Mm-hmm. It's called the Cup and Ring Rocks in Northumberland, England. Have some? They're very unique. And mm-hmm. these rocks have, like, a concave depression, no more than, like, a few centimeters across, and pecked into, like, a rock. So, it's like they peck into it, and there's, like, a, a center in it, and then there's, like, rings concentric circles etched around it and then sometimes there's like a little channel like a linear channel that Mm -hmm. like gutters that lead out from the middle it's Mm -hmm. really cool i was like i blood sacrifice (laughs) oh i did not think of that druids Uh, you know what i thought about virgin sorry (laughs) i thought about the thing with the quarter (laughs) the ball (laughs) those were so fun let me tell you yeah and then you catch it before it like goes in the hole (laughs) and then you do it again Oh, okay. I thought you meant just that they couldn't have the money. No, no. So, so you, you do, do it, it as again. many times yes. as possible. So then you, the game is like you put your quarter down and it goes down the little cylinder thing and yeah. you catch it at the bottom and then you do it again. <laughs> and then if you can't, you see how many times you could catch it. But anyways, that was just me. It's fun. Um, so yeah, these are interesting because it's like these little circles and, and it's it's just, it was kind of cool. cool. So in Italy, there are rock drawings in the subalpine area that consist of about 350,000 petroglyphs. Whoa. So a lot. That's cool. And these were drawn by members of the Kumuni tribe dating from 8,000 BC. And the petroglyphs show, once again, hunting, and but also mm-hmm. ritual scenes, as well as some scenes of 
zoophilia. Ew. Yeah. So for those that don't know, it's the stuff with the animals that you shouldn't (laughs) be doing because it's bad. Gross. And then uh, the rock cavings at Alta in Norway were discovered in 1972. Wow. This is crazy. It's like they don't find these things until later. Not that long ago. And there are more than 5,000 carvings across several different sites um, in Norway. And the main site at Jip. I'm not going to say this right. Jipmalokata. Whatever that is. It's just outside counts. You're trying. It's just outside of Alta. I should have just said that. Um, It has around like 3,000 individual carvings. So a lot. Um, Not as much as like, you know, the Alpine area. The subalpine area with 350,000. That was a lot. Um, So this site has actually been turned into an open air museum. So, like, Mm. you just can walk through and look at all these petroglyphs. Mm -hmm. And the earliest carvings in this area date to around, like, 4200 B.C., with most recent ones dating around 500 B.C. So, they did it for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, These images are, once again, hunter-gatherers, controlling uh, herds of reindeer, uh, boat building, fishing, and rituals involving bear worship and other animals. There is, once again... Not a lot known about the culture that made these carvings. (laughs) So, like, you can't really tell a whole lot. Now, we move to North America. Now, the reason why I save this for last is because (laughs) North America has more petroglyph sites than any other continent. We have the most sites. Um, A large amount of petroglyphs are located in the southwestern united states whoop, it's whoop. us and they are protected by the national uh park boundaries and jack was actually just telling me that the area that we went to they kind of changed that whole area and like fence well not fenced it off but like protected a lot of it so you can't go directly up to the petroglyphs anymore oh that's a bummer so um just because people are assholes so you know how that goes so um one of these places is like I was just saying where we went the northern Mojave in California hmm. that's where we went and my allergies killed me oh my god we were so all car bad. sick yes I wanted to die yeah because it was, it was kind of a drive, drive. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was two cars right it was my car me Jack yeah. Troy Colin went with mm-hmm. us my brother and then it was and then me mom and Crystal, Crystal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we had anyone else I think it was just no I think it was just us yeah I was like I was like, Jack would have been with you guys. Yeah. I can't remember if Brad came out this or I think Mm-mm. it was just Colin. It was yeah. Just Colin. It was just Colin. So yeah, that was fun. It was a hike and it was the salt flat area. That was, that was really cool. The towel thing. that we like picked up and it was, it was all, all crusty. crusty. <laughs> I just remember Troy, his little, he was so excited. Like he was like crunching his own little <laughs> footprints and we yes. were, it was like fresh and we were just running and it was yeah. so fun. It was pretty cool. And then the little hikes and all the flowers and the petroglyphs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. And those insane clusters of tent caterpillars. Mm-hmm. Colin and I were like, because yeah. they would like spasm. <laughs> spasm yeah. They're the worst, by the way. Yeah. We're not harassing them. They're like literally foliage destroyers. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> That's why they're in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there are also sites, not just in California where we are, but there's also sites in um, Arkansas, Washington, Michigan, and Ohio. And the Jeffers Petroglyph site is in southwestern Minnesota um, with pre-contact Native American petroglyphs. So pre-contact meaning before, you know, colonization came out yeah. here. Um, so 
They are in the rock of the Red Rock Ridge, which is a 23 mile or 37 kilometer long Sioux quartzite outcrop mm. that goes from one. This is in America. What can I? It's in the States. What? 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 I don't know. County, Minnesota. To Brown County, Minnesota. I, yeah, they're all Native American names. Yes, hard I'm like, to I say. can't say It's them. crazy how many of them are on the East Coast. And you're like, oh. Yeah, but a lot. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm, they're and, hard to say. Yeah. So um, the surface of these rocks um, are about 150 feet or 50 meters by 650 feet or 200 Holy meters. Moly. And it is surrounded by prairie lands. So it's just mm-hmm. these like rocks. And... Um, and covered in petroglyphs. And in Albuquerque, New Mexico, there is a 7,236-acre monument, or twenty-nine or 2,928 square kilometers, uh, called Petroglyph National Monument. Mm. And it is protected and managed by the National Park Service That's and awesome. the city of Albuquerque. Is ours protect- a protected here? <laughs> it is, right? Yes, it because is. it's part of the Joshua mm-hmm. Tree mm-hmm. part. It is. Okay. Um, so... They also, this National Park Service and the city of Albuquerque also mm-hmm. protect, there's five um, volcanic cones, mm. hundreds of like archaeological sites, and about 25,000 images carved by Native people and early Spanish settlers. Where is this? Like, this we is need, how far is this? New we Mex- need to go. New Mexico. <laughs> it's New Mexico. That sounds cool. That's not that far from us. Mm. Um, it's a so, long weekend trip. <laughs> yeah. So some of the images are animals, people, brands, and crosses, and other images in which the meaning was probably only known by the carver. So just mm-hmm. like, hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but they probably know um, or knew when they. They're like, it. I saw this really cool hole today. Yeah, <laughs> you never know, yeah. right? Exactly. I saw a snake in a hole, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there are over twenty-one thousand petroglyphs at the Three Rivers Petroglyph site in Three Rivers, New Mexico. And many of these can be seen from the trail, which is open to the public, and it goes for about a mile. And they were thought to be done by the Jordana Magolon uh, people between 1000 and 1400 CE. And this is, once again, protected by the Bureau of Land Management. And some of the carvings include... Thunderbirds, which cool. is uh, in Native American mythology, it's a powerful like spirit in the form of a bird, yeah. <laughs> and which is funny because I was talking to my mom today because the air shows out in Newport and she was talking about the Thunderbirds, and I was like, oh, I just did that in my research, so I was <laughs> like, do you know cool. what a Thunderbird is in Native American mythology? So Thunderbirds, dragonflies, turtles, and shamans, and um, so that's, cool. that's kind of in the you know states mm-hmm. region now in. Um, Canada. There's sites in Canada, British Columbia, Ontario, Nova Scotia, and Petroglyphs Provincial Park is in Peterborough, Ontario, oh my God, Canada. Try to say that like more. Petroglyphs <laughs> Provincial Park in, in Peterborough, Peter- <laughs> Ontario, Canada, and it has the largest collection of the ancient First Nations petroglyphs in Ontario, mm-hmm. and they were created in the pre-Columbian era, and they represent aspects of the first nations mysticism including shamans animals and the great spirit and these sacred stones are believed to have been carved by the algonquian people between 900 and 1400 ce and then you know there's also sites in uh 
Mexico and stuff. So just mm-hmm. they're all I could go on and on and on. I had to just kind of pick a little like handful from like each yeah. continent because they're everywhere mm-hmm. and they are all so similar but so unique and different. Um, according to like the you know the culture and the region and mm-hmm. obviously their surroundings. You know it's different. They're going to be yeah. carving something different in the jungle than they are in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, different animals, different you know people, different plants, rituals, food. And plants. Yes, so. But they are all so similar, which is so cool. cool. (laughs) So I got a couple fun facts. Yay! So ancient rock paint was messy. So (laughs) you had to grind up clay or minerals into dust and then mix it with a binder like pee, egg whites, (laughs) (laughs) egg whites, blood, Mm -hmm. or animal fat in order to draw on the stones. And rock art is more common in the desert where dry weather helps preserve the paint on pictographs and keeps the carvings of petroglyphs from eroding away Mm -hmm. so it's just dry and arid it's not running water past yeah so usually the rain they get is like one time a season you Mm -hmm. know so it's like one torrential downpour yeah that's not like, just like straight down and the ground it just runs mm-hmm. away usually yeah so i think that was like so cool when we went and i'm just like oh my gosh these are so old and they're still mm-hmm. here and we didn't go to that we see we need to make another trip when the little ones are just a bit older because it wasn't a dangerous hike but it's like pokey mm-hmm. <laughs> like literally there's cacti yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah there is <laughs> um and uh yeah it's just really it's really really crazy though because it's like so cool to see and we really didn't have to go that far I mean, it was a drive, but um, yeah, the drive. It was. Wasn't we stopped at that funny little like Western town because we all had to use the bathroom. Oh yeah, someone always has to use the bathroom. <laughs> and then, but what we didn't do was they had the. I think it was one of the lava tubes here, and it was all crystals inside. But you had oh, to do like a tour. Yeah, I want to do that. I know. I, I bet too. it's gypsum. It's gonna be like selenite, mm-hmm. um, because that's like super common. Like a lot of salt is out here. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool, though. Nice. Yeah, that I, was, I was a lot. Like, every time you're like, it's short. I'm like, you're full that of shit. That was only like 20 minutes. Be quiet. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but it was yeah, 25. I, <laughs> but that see, like my next episode we're doing, um, like oh next I, it's week a bit is short. Halloween. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'm like, I say it's Halloween. short, but at the same time, like I'm like, well, all the little interjections we do and stuff is what ends up bulking it out. Yeah. Or I, like I'll think of something that I meant to say or write down, but yeah, I'm like, it's I always knew. embarrassing. I'm like, it's short. Well, <laughs> mine was short in the page length from what I usually write, but <laughs> um, yeah. but I knew we were going to talk a lot about our personal experience with. Mm-hmm. you know I'm witnessing petroglyphs now. it was like, so it was cool. it was really surreal it's so weird like you know going to a museum and you see some old things and you're just like wow that's really old but then like, like just so you're going on a hike and it's like I can touch this really old thing that was like 10,000 years old mm-hmm. or older you know it's like it's really yeah it, it really is cool what do they say I think they say we each have approximately like 16 or 17 great grandparents like it, that's how far it goes mm-hmm. back I was like, that's a lot of grandpas ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. It is. And I, I've always been like a little, like I was like, that's probably selenite. But I've always loved rocks. And um, I, you just have to think of it this way. Even if it's like the ugliest rock you've ever seen, it's so freaking old. Yeah. <laughs> it's a chunk of yeah. this planet I know that fell off. Like, and that's, I think, what's really cool about petroglyphs is, is you're looking it's at these so rocks old. that have been there forever. 
and with like all these giant sandstone formations and stuff like that is just sides of mountains and stuff that's been there forever Mm -hmm. and all this artwork is just preserved there Mm -hmm. Uh, that's been there for tens of thousands of years that come came from someone that may not have had spoken word language yet yes they might have yeah it, and that's what they're showing each other's like what's yeah, going on and you just wonder what their life was and you know and, and like mm-hmm. i said in petroglyphs over time it shows the use of tools and and hunting and so you mm-hmm. can kind of see how these um societies or cultures evolved or developed over the time into mm-hmm. these more like modern um civilizations yeah um so I thought it was cool. So I kept going back and forth and I was like, I'm going to do it because it's kind of cool. <laughs> it is cool. And it involves painting and it pigment does. stuff because like it's the conversations of the the conversations. That's what these episodes are. And we've mentioned it before. It's like sometimes it's not as 100% factual as it could be. But pretty mm-hmm. much this is like we're just chit chatting. We did yeah. our best homework. We're sharing it together. I'm going like, to share my sources yeah. and the show notes <laughs> and you can do your own research. Yep. You can... I encourage everyone just type in petroglyphs or follow my show notes. You probably have one near you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And just look at the pictures and how cool they are. There's so many that are colorful. There's some that are like, and the the colors of the rocks make them different color. It's just, it's so cool. And I was just like looking at all these pictures. That was fun. Last night while I was snuggling the kitty. (laughs) I was like, look at this one. Look at that one. I'm like, oh, it's a circle. It's just, it's so cool. So take a look at ancient art. The ancient do crafts. it yeah <laughs> we will do it yeah do it i encourage everyone to it's really cool okay are you gonna bring us down oh my god the worst down oh no sorry but it's interesting because because i've been stuck in like the victorian era i can't get out of it i like it um because that's the, the one that i kind of don't like because well don't like it's to okay. research because yeah. the lack of information yeah I it is an hard information and, and so yeah, I, yeah and i i this one's really cool, but yes, it's really dark, so I will preface it. It's crimes against children, <sighs> okay. um, but it it gets into a theme of what I have mentioned a couple of times previously in my past cases. Okay. So we are going to be talking about um, a woman named Amelia. Um, she's born Amelia Elizabeth Hobley. And she was born in 1837. She had a, a really big family. There was five children. Um, okay. And her parents were master shoemakers. And while they weren't super rich, they did really well. And they lived um, in a little city called Pile Marsh, <laughs> which is east of Bristol. It's okay. so crazy because, see, you know, we live in the United States. And so it's the United States. It's a country. And then the country has states. And I forget how differently it's broken up. Yeah. And so these are like, it's it's Swoey. <laughs> it's Britain. But it's like, it's this city and this county. It's the uh-huh. same thing. And I was like, oh, my God, there's so many of these. Well, that's like here. And when I'm trying to teach the kids about, you know, okay, what what yeah. continent do we live on? What's, continent. What continent? You know, it's like we live on North America and the United States and <laughs> uh-huh. California in, the, in this. Yeah, this is a state. And then this is the county and this yeah, is the city. This is the city. It's and a lot. Is, yeah, it's, and it's the same way. So yeah, like, there's yeah. a lot of addresses. So, sorry. <laughs> no, that's been fine. on my mind. <clears throat> so her parents are named Samuel and Sarah. Okay. And at a, the problem with the family, the biggest struggle they deal with is that um Sarah became critically mentally ill because she had a really long battle with typhus. Mm. So she went through a lot of fever, a lot Mm -hmm. of illness. And, um, you know, this is 
barely into the 1800s. There's not mm-hmm. anything you can do. And Amelia was the one that ended up having to take care of her. And Sarah dealt with a lot of like blackout rages and fighting mm-hmm. and throwing things. And Amelia was the one who had to take care of her. And Sarah died in 1848 when Amelia was only nine. So a child younger than that taking because the other ones were older and working. Oh, so she was like the youngest of all of them. Yep, she was the youngest. So it was given to her, the responsibility. Um, She was really, really smart and she loved reading and poetry and... But later on in her life, because, you know, her siblings were working, her Mm -hmm. mom was passed, her dad was working, she was sent to live with an aunt in her later, eh, early teen years, Mm -hmm. it's not actually given a a time frame, to be an apprentice corset maker. Mm. And (laughs) I know, I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. That does sound cool. And, um, but unfortunately, her dad passed away in 1859, so like Mm. not even 10 years. So she's not even... Uh, barely a teenager or late teenager yeah. not even a real adult mm-hmm. back then she was well I was but, like back then it's a little different like we're kind of talking about today with, mm-hmm. with like, our kids just yeah being, back then older. like 14 you're sent out to be a maid yeah. but <laughs> it's still it's sad and it's still really hard for her mm-hmm. um, her brother her oldest brother Thomas inherited the shoe factory though mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately by two years later she was estranged from both of her other brothers mm. and her other sisters died oh so she just experiences nothing but loss very early in her life trauma yeah. and loss yeah and it's really hard for her um but she tries to continue she's still really young and in 1861 that makes her 21 she meets a man in she moved to a street called St- Trinity Street that's in Bristol now. And she moved to the big city, you know. Mm-hmm. And she met and married a 59-year-old named George Thomas. Hmm. And, oh, I'm sorry. She was 24. So just oh, a little okay. bit older. And so they lied on the marriage certificate to lessen mm-hmm. their age gap. Because even then, it was like, why are you married to this old dude? Yeah. So somehow he got away with deducting 11 years from what? his age. <laughs> yeah. 11 years. I so don't he think tried our to say he's 58, 48. Get away with that. And I would definitely not be able to get away with that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And she added six years to her age. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which so, is more mm-hmm, 30 and 48. But yeah. But the, yeah, even wow. then, that's a bit of a gap. He took 11 years off. He took 11 years wow. off his age. Yeah. And she added six. So now that um, Amelia, she has more security now, she's married, she started training to be a nurse because she'd been taking care of her mother for so long anyway. And she met um, a woman that's a fellow nurse named Ellen Dane. She's a midwife. And Ellen said, um, you know, one of the things you can do, and it's something that I do, is you can make money by allowing unwed mothers to live at your house. They can mm-hmm. live at your house, and then you help them with the birth, and you keep the child to help find a home for, to adopt okay. out. And this was a super common thing. Um, and unfortunately, uh, thanks to the Poor Law Amendment Act made in 1834, this removed, which I've talked about before, mm-hmm. this removed all financial obligation to the father. Mm-hmm. So too bad, so sad, even though he had a hand in it, mm-hmm. these illegitimate children had 
zero care besides yeah. the mother's care. <clears throat> so unfortunately, this led to the necessity of what we call baby farming. Yeah. Which it's because it's an adoption agency. It sounds horrific. Yeah. But it's an adoption agency. And basically, you just raise babies as best as you can. And they pay you sometimes um, all the money at one time. Or they pay like every week until Mm -hmm. the baby is adopted out so Mm -hmm. you're paying for someone else but it's a lot less than what Mm because they were also given a stipend from the government to to do these things okay so unfortunately their troubles end up always being preyed upon but in this way the person that's taking the baby to care for them if the person was wealthy they would charge more Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they would charge more about um like 80 pounds which Mm -hmm. is the equivalent of like it's an estimate because surprisingly trying to find the opposite of Mm -hmm. any other money other than united states dollars is a struggle but i it looks like about three thousand dollars okay and so if the woman was poor she would only charge them about five pounds which Mm. was about 150 dollars okay so she didn't take total advantage of them she could have and she didn't Hmm. um so Amelia has left her nursing career. She had a daughter, and the daughter's name is Ellen Thomas. And unfortunately, her husband George dies. Oh, well, because he's old. Because he's old. <laughs> he died um, only eight years later. Oh. Yep. So she, he was like 60? 67. Yeah. 67. Okay. Yeah. Which is about yeah. their their life yeah, expectancy was around yeah. then. Yeah. yeah at that time. Yeah. Anything past like 74 was pretty old. Yeah. So now it's just Amelia and she's totally desperate. And this is when she decides to take the advice of her old friend, um, Ellen. Mm-hmm. And so she starts accepting babies into her care. But she takes more of the dark tips that were given to her from Ellen. Hmm. So to calm babies that are crying a lot, what they would use was a opium syrup. And so it would keep the babies drugged and quiet. But also one of the side effects of opiates is a hunger suppression. Mm. So the babies wouldn't be as miserable because they're starving. Because even back then... Uh, everything was expensive and it was essentially a depression Uh and it was hard oh my gosh i gave like i gave lincoln melatonin once and it freaked me out because he just like fell asleep and i was like i don't like this (laughs) i was just like i get so scared i can't imagine like drugging babies it's crazy i know and it's so strange too because it's like even um when you're like they it's like the medicine that they recommend when like ear infections and yeah. stuff take and some cocaine you'll feel better exactly back then it was just so normal yeah. and you could get these things so easily at crazy. the chemist yeah <laughs> so um what would end up happening is because of this suppression and the desire to eat the babies will starve to death mm-hmm. and unfortunately the times are so hard back at this point uh-huh. even in a happy loving home babies could starve to death yeah and so when the babies would pass away the coroner would just call it um and this is a quote uh debility from birth or the lack of mother's milk uh-huh. so just the weakness of being born not having breast milk um and so they would pass away like SIDS they they just knew yeah, some, yeah, like yeah. it sounds terrible but it's like a failure to thrive baby that it, it's that's what they pretty much yeah but really it. it was just a lack of being fed care exactly yeah a lack of do being, you of remember being during the pandemic when mothers were like freaking out trying to find formula because people oh were buying it all up I was so disgusting. oh my gosh I know I 
was like literally still yeah i was still nursing lily mm-hmm. i was like about to start donating my breast milk just a to lot like, of people did yeah because so but i didn't have anybody did. near me like oh, that yeah. i knew that really needed it but i just mm-hmm. hated seeing that i can't even imagine it's heartbreaking. just not being yeah. able to feed a baby but yeah i get it and, and then the, every and other country time. stepped up and helped mm-hmm. and yeah but i <laughs> i can understand at that time it's like depression times mm-hmm. and yeah and, and so sometimes they would um to try to help ease the baby's pain they would give them this syrup, syrup. and a little bit of alcohol or you know one or the oh other to help their hunger pangs because they were literally yeah. suffering oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so unfortunately sad. yeah it was hard yeah it was hard for good mothers yeah and that's what so, made me think of it. I was like, oh, yeah. you know, we have good moms out here trying to just feed Falling their babies. Apart, and yeah. It's, you can't. Mm-hmm. You know. And unfortunately back then, yeah, these completely loving homes still could mm-hmm. suffer. And yeah. so it was nothing. It was just a, a thing, unfortunately. Um, so occasionally parents would come to check on these babies and they wouldn't be allowed to see them or they were really too embarrassed to call the authorities and have to explain like, oh, well, I you know i had an illegitimate baby with a married dude and uh-huh. i've got a i had to give the baby up but like i just want to check on it and you know they sure get shamed okay. for it yeah. so yeah so unfortunately they wouldn't really mm. do this and um unfortunately so she would put she put ads in and she would lie about like oh a happy couple who can't have kids they want to adopt a you know precious healthy baby and help somebody out mm-hmm. just adoption is what would be said uh-huh. and just a few years later in 1872 she got married again to a man named William Dyer and this is the name she'll continue on with Amelia Dyer okay and um she had two more children oh wow and it was crazy because that means she was like 45 that, and 47 that is that is having crazy. more children well that was like my grandparents <laughs> oh, would die my dad my dad my dad was born yeah when his brothers were all adults. Oh, that's intense. Yeah, they, he was the empty nester baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, precious. Yeah. Um. So, unfortunately, she now is older. She's becoming impatient for the babies to pass away on their own. Oh, gosh. So, she has started to just straight murdering these I babies. I know this. I knew <laughs> I this could just be one of I'm, I'm, <laughs> one of how many? One of I don't know. Um and unfortunately <sighs> what she does is she uses um what you know what we know because we sew or know of sewing. You mm-hmm. do. I don't that much anymore. Hand sewing sucks. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> is she uses white edging tape. It's so like oh, bias tape. Yeah. So think of it it's like a um, like a, strip, a, a ribbon like a, that's been folded in mm-hmm. half and like pressed and yeah. so you take it you put the hem in the middle and then you seam it and it makes it look all pretty the yeah. edge makes yeah. it look pretty and so this is what she's using white seamstress tape and at this point now uh the coroner that's writing out the death certificates is starting to be concerned about the amount of child deaths that are coming from her foster agency yeah. essentially yeah. and so he finally calls the police um, she's arrested, but she only ends up being charged with neglect uh-huh. because, unfortunately, there's no forensic evidence. Yeah. And at, you know, these Can't times, the she's... the trying to calm the babies with medicine, yeah. these types of things. Accidental it's, it's a, overdoses, exactly. I'm sure, were rampant. And yes. And so, unfortunately, without this proof, she just ends up getting you know, the, the negligence charge. Mm-hmm. And okay. it's only she's charged with... Uh, 
six months of hard labor. Now, I was actually really interested in this because I have talked about Victorian prison sentences before and a couple that had ended up being short. So I looked it up. So hard labor back then, this is actually an example from a uh, prison records of a prison almost at this exact same time. Hard Mm -hmm. labor, one of the things would be walking on a treadmill and you had to hold a bar up above your head, like holding it above you. And you're walking and pushing a wheel and you had to do 10 minutes on and five minutes off for eight hours a day. And the equivalent was actually only about um, one and a half miles or 2.4 kilometers. But these were not easy steps, you know, and what they were doing was it actually powered machinery in the prison. Yeah, I figured as much. I was like, that's got to be worth. It's not like, oh, just go get your exercise. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be a a use for it. Yes. Well, another this next one was completely pointless, which is interesting. It's called the, the crank. So the prisoner had a set number of times he had to turn the crank a day to earn his food, depending on the punishment, what their crime was, what their prison sentence, they had more numbers Hmm. that they had to crank this crank. But unlike the wheel, there was no point. And all it did was turn paddles in a deep box of sand. So it was literally just work for the sake of work. Wow. And then that's how you got your food, which was probably bread crust and crap. (laughs) You'd think it would be something like, holes you know dig holes (laughs) dig dig holes right you're like dig the graves your own yeah (laughs) right so all of this would be done in total silence and if you spoke you would be punished with more labor or with you know physical corporal punishment Uh another one is called picking oakum which was separating fibers of old ship rope and rigging and you could only pretty much manage two feet a day. So think about two feet this big uh-huh. of a huge rope. And you're just untangling those uh. sharp, rough, awful fibers. And I guess what it was is they would make money because the prison would have all these fibers pulled apart. And then they would sell it back to ship makers. And it would be used as like insulation oh. between um, wooden planks huh. um, and like the sideboards to make them watertight. So it was like huh. chinking that they'd fill in. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That so, yeah, sense. they'd buy, so they'd use. like take crap, make yeah. them pe- peel it all yeah. apart and then make money off of it. Huh. So anyway, that was interesting. I had to yeah. look that up because I was always I was curious. Like, this guy's like, got to exist somewhere. Yeah. Working on the chain gang. <laughs> <laughs> Working on the chain. Okay. I just keep thinking of that movie Holes. Oh, my God. Right. Know. I like, love that book. I, I love so good. That. Me too. <laughs> it was a really good book. I remember it from like, I think they made us read it in like fifth grade when it came yes, out. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think Avery, <laughs> I think Troy read it and now it's I got cute. Avery too. It's but really yeah, they're, they're, go do your manual labor. Go your do your labor. holes. <laughs> yeah, go dig your holes. Looking for treasure. <laughs> um, so after she got out of prison, um, she went back to being a nurse again and she did like some home care nursing and mm-hmm. um, she was fine to these patients. Mm. And um, she, it was sprinkled in and out with trips to uh, mental asylums but these always coincided with when she was getting uh people were getting a little suspicious of her Mm -hmm. so then she would try to commit suicide and get put into a mental hospital while the heat was on Mm -hmm. and interestingly enough she actually ended up becoming an asylum nurse but now was probably because she's like trying to learn how to be genuinely crazy Mm. outside of like being raised with her mother she Mm -hmm. 
learned really well. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> unfortunately, when people are truly evil, they don't really learn in prison. They just learn how to not how get to, caught again. Yeah, yeah. And so this time it didn't teach her anything. And so she stopped calling the doctors to get the death certificates. Of course she did. Of course she did. And so she would, she just would throw the babies into the river. What? Yep. She would um, just wrap them up in like packages and stuff. And when they passed away, she would just wrap them up and just dump them in the river. Wow. Yeah. She was a heartless, ruthless. Wow. I mean, obviously. Yeah. I know I know I'm sorry it's rough but it's just crazy because like this wasn't a norm you know people actually there were people that did this because they wanted to save babies yeah Um, and you did they earned money and then Mm -hmm. later like I said um, like foster care in the states I'm not sure of anywhere else but um, you know you get paid and it's to help with the child's expenses Mm -hmm. like buy them clothes buy them food you know and they get health care and all those services that uh that money doesn't have to go to because Mm -hmm. they have it so um, it pretty much did the same thing they got stipend as well Mm -hmm. um in 1890 amelia is um taking care of a baby um uh sorry of a nanny and when the woman came to check up on the baby she had a feeling that i mean like come on we know what our babies look like yeah she had a feeling like this is not my kid and so she pulls the pants off of the little baby to check for a birthmark that's on the baby's hip Mm-hmm. And of course, it wasn't there. there. So she gets, she tells the police, and now this is really look like the police are like, dude, we have to look into this woman. Uh-huh. You know, this, this is too much. It doesn't matter if they were poor; they did care. Yeah. And so, well, she tries to kill herself again by drinking laudanum, which is like a super crazy. It's like one of the first filtrations of opium. Oh. So it's really strong. Mm-hmm. And um, and so she tried to drink that. And But the crazy part is, while she fed babies the syrup, this opium syrup, she was addicted to it herself. Mm. I mean, because even if you're mentally unstable, that's got to like mess you up so yeah. she was a drug addict yeah. and so because of her tolerance the laudanum didn't kill her because uh. <laughs> um, she really does try to kill herself yeah um but in this this case it didn't work mm. and so she's constantly moving she moves to so many times and her daughter whose name is um they call her polly <laughs> um and her son arthur uh, son-in-law, I'm sorry, Arthur, stays with them. And so they use a ton of different aliases and they're always moving around. And um, police are closing in. Then she tries again. Mm-hmm. And this is her very last hospital stay. And I actually have a name for it. She's at the Somerset and Bath Lunatic Asylum. Mm-hmm. And um, she was there just like a really short amount of time, I think. But it was like still like a year. Mm-hmm. And when she was released in 1830, sorry, 1893, mm-hmm. uh, basically she said that it was like the hardest, crappiest, oh, boohoo stay yeah. that she had <laughs> in an asylum. And um, oh, look at that. She never committed herself again. <laughs> so it must have been pretty, pretty bad. bad. Yeah. Good. But like, yeah. again, that's sad for the other people that are there yeah. that need mental help. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Every year, you know, she's moving and she's moving. And in 1895, just a couple of years after she gets released from Somerset, 
Amelia has help from a f- woman named Jane Smith, who goes by Granny. She was a, mu- a much older woman. Mm-hmm. And she met uh, at a workhouse from her daughter, Polly. My tummy's rumbling. <laughs> Someone's going to hear it someday. <laughs> and... um. And so she was a helper for the house, the babies, just things like that in mm-hmm. general. And they've moved to Caversham um, and they live in Reading in Berkshire. That was another one. I was like, I've kept forgetting because I was like, that's not where they live. So they live in Reading. Okay. In Caversham in Berkshire. And so Jane, uh, Granny, is pressured. I kind of love it. Her name's Granny Smith. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jane has been pressured by Amelia to um, let Amelia call her mother in front of everybody mm. because that looks like it would give you a better reputation to be more trusted. It's like, look, it's like, um, you know, me and my mother and my daughter and we're mm-hmm. like all taking care of these babies. Uh-huh. And so, it, you know, it made women like more a family comfortable. Situation. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And... So the next woman that comes to call in 1896, her name is Evelina Marmon. And she's a really liked um, barmaid at town, in the town. And she has given birth to a baby girl. And she has put some advertisements in the paper. And she figures, like, I'm just going to do that. And um, will be a it'll be super quick. And so mm-hmm. she writes in the paper. She wrote into the Bristol Times in the Mirror newspaper, "quote Wanted respectable woman to take a young child." This is it. Super short. And then because she wants to, she's her hope is she's going to go back to work and uh-huh. be able to make enough money to save up to then be able to get the baby back. Uh-huh. Um, coincidentally, right next to her ad was another advertisement that read married couple with no family would adopt a healthy child nice country home terms 10 pounds um marmon responded and a woman named mrs harding got a reply and um she said that she lived in oxford road in reading and i should be glad to have a dear baby girl one i would could bring up and call my own we are plain homely people in fair good circumstances i don't want a child for money's sake but the company and home comfort i and my husband are dearly fond of children i have no child of my own a child with me will have a good home and a mother's love mm-hmm. yeah so Evelina feels like this is a really good choice, um, but she's hoping that she can convince Mrs. Harding to accept like small weekly payments because Mm -hmm. she's hoping to get the baby back. Yeah. But Mrs. Harding wants one payment and that's it. Mm -hmm. And so Evelina meets with her, Mrs. Harding, in Chattanum to collect the money and the baby. But Evelina is so heartbroken that she insists and they continue on to the train stations together so she can Mm -hmm. just be with the baby a little bit longer um people who saw her at the train station and when she returned home say that what returned was a broken woman so it's like so heartbreaking because i can't even imagine the circumstances oh yeah it's messed up and so um Evelina did write a letter to check in with Mrs. Harding. And, of course, we know it's Amelia. Mm -hmm. Amelia wrote back one time telling her that um, the baby was great and all was well. And Mm -hmm. 
there were no more responses to Evelina's letters mm-hmm. after that point. Yeah. Well, apparently when she got home, she strangled the baby immediately. <gasps> she oh used, I know, she used the white edging tape and her um, daughter, Polly, helped her wrap up the baby in a napkin and then um, not before she took the pa- the edging tape off the baby's neck because she was running low. So uh-huh. she wrapped up the baby and they put her inside of um, like a, of course, morbid, but I've mentioned it before, a carpet bag. Yeah. Yeah. All these people taking dead bodies in carpet bags. Uh-huh. Like, what the heck? So they put her in a bag. Uh-huh. The very next day, it is Wednesday, April 1st. It's 1896 still. Another baby came. This one was a 13-month-old boy, who is, which is crazy because that's like a year-old child. Yeah, that's a that's toddler a walking around, yeah. you know. And she strangled him to death immediately. Oh, my gosh. Um, so this baby's body is also put inside of the same carpet bag, and bricks are put inside of it, and her and Polly take it, and they throw it in the River Thames. That's like so many bodies in that river that yeah. I have already talked about. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's they just keep coming up, and that's why I was like, it's all crazy, because I know the river is, like, big through that area, but it's just insane. It's a popular dumping ground. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Um, so... They dumped the bodies on April 2nd. Well, the crazy thing is that little did Amelia know on the 30th of March, the unfortunate situation for a bargeman, he pulled a package out of the water. I'm always like, why are, that's just, this is everything I talk about. Like, oh, we pulled it out of the water. But at the times, maybe there's something good inside. Yeah. Could have fallen off a boat. Yep. Like maybe it's something good. They're curious. Well, unfortunately, he opens it up and he finds the body of a little baby girl. So the Reading Borough Police have a really small detective squad, but mm-hmm. they are like on it and they're disgusted, of course, like everybody would be. And so they're determined. The head of the squad is Detective Constable Anderson, and he is able to gather a little bit of evidence from the parcel. Uh, there is the train station ticket that's left behind. Mm-hmm. And I love this. This is so, I'm, you know, you'll know. Okay. They use microscopes. <laughs> <laughs> and with microscopic analysis, they can see left, because the water has uh-huh. worn it away, the very faint outline of the pencil name and address of a Mrs. Thomas uh-huh. written on the back uh-huh. of the ticket. I'm like, they used to work. They microscoped it. So science. Yeah. So now they've started asking around town. They talked about not necessarily what they found, but the situation. You know, does anybody have a lot of babies? They got witnesses. They have information. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, a hysterical woman at a train station is going to be something people are going to remember. And so this has, they were able to get, around get some evidence and they show up at mrs thomas's house Mm -hmm. they are met by obvious amelia dyer Uh um thanks to laws (laughs) not being what they are now the cops immediately enter her house Mm -hmm. and they are hit in the face with the smell of decomposition (gasps) (sighs) yeah (laughs) um but as they're looking around there's nothing inside of there they don't 
They don't find anything at all, but they smell it. And, but luckily for them, there was a ton of uh, corroborating evidence related to babies. Yeah. There are telegrams from the mothers that are going to give up their babies. They are pawn tickets for the items Amelia sold that the mothers left their babies with, their clothing, their shoes. She gifted her landlord a pair of baby shoes for the landlord. I know. How sick is that? Um, So (sighs) there are all kinds of receipts for the advertisements Mm -hmm. and... They find the bundles of white seam tape. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, this isn't technically enough. Yeah, it's but all but it's getting them somewhere. First, absolutely. Yes. So, because of this, she is. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They also find evidence that she was ready to move again. Oh. She there was evidence that she was about to move to Somerset. But she is arrested. There is enough evidence that they're able to arrest her and start this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's enough to put. Yeah. Something weird is going on. Mm-hmm. So you're coming with us. Right. With the records that were kept, because she's actually pretty fastidious about all of her papers. The police mm-hmm. calculated that Amelia had taken in at least 20 children <gasps> in the last month. Oh, so not in total. Oh, my God. Unfortunately... Now they're going to start dredging the river and they end up finding six more babies. All of them had the white tape around their necks and her daughter and son-in-law, Arthur, are both being charged at this point as well. But Amelia writes a confession on April 16th. Um, And so her daughter, Polly, and Arthur are dropped from this case at this point. On May 22nd, Amelia goes to trial. And now her daughter and son-in-law and Jane, Granny Smith, who she had called mother, if you Uh remember, have all turned on her. Of course. (laughs) And they've all turned on her and they were saying, you know, the only reason that we participated was because she's crazy, Mm -hmm. obviously. And we were afraid for our lives, yada, yada. The same thing people say now. Yeah. The same exact thing people say now. And so because of all of the evidence and them testifying against her, which happens nowadays too, Mm -hmm. um, the people get away with it, but they give enough information that it gets at least somebody off yeah and out of out Mm -hmm. you know i mean convicted Mm -hmm. and so she's convicted but for some reason i'm sorry i did not see it and i looked through a bunch of things this is Mm -hmm. gonna have so many sources um (laughs) she's only convicted for the murder of doris marmond which was evelina's baby girl baby girl yeah Mm -hmm. i'm thinking that's because that was the first body they found with the ticket that tied to her yeah so you know it's disgusting but like could she have talked that that woman taught her what to do did she teach her the white binding tape so yeah that's one they can for sure Uh and back then that's all it took yeah So, of course, she tried to plea insanity and that fell on deaf ears because even then they're like, uh, you were gross. You lied. There was so much lie. There was so much hiding there. That's not insanity. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's hiding. That is being. She's like 65 years old at this point. She's been doing this forever. Mm -hmm. So 
anyway, it only takes the jury four and a half minutes. They <laughs> find her guilty. Good. And um, later in prison, she is, I'm sorry, she's, um, you know, charged. She's going to be hung. Okay. And um, after her super short stay in prison, um, she wrote a confession. Now, I have talked about this before in my scrapbooking, like the commonplace books. Mm-hmm. So I think this is kind of the same sort of thing. Her confession took five notebooks what that she gave to the priest and the priest only who came to read her her last rites wow he said um you know is there anything else you need to confess and she handed the notebooks and she said is this not enough wow yeah so on wednesday june 10th 1896 she was hanged i hate saying that i know it it sounds so ridiculous and wrong she was hanged at exactly 9 a.m and when she was asked if she had anything to say she says i have nothing to say Oh, wow. Okay. So after this, luckily, laws were changed and they were made stricter for adoptions and also for these foster type of agencies. And so anybody in the in kind of government office could just show up, mm-hmm. look for documents, proper documentation, search your food pantry, you know, to be able to um, check. Mm-hmm. Two years after Amelia's execution... A rail, I'm going to fudge. I cannot say this. It's a railway worker. I did it. You did. I was a railway worker. That's what ends up happening. A railway worker inspecting empty carriages in between train rides, just like they do on airplanes Uh and trains now, Uh found um, a package that was left behind. Um, He opens it up, you know, see if there's any tags or anything like that. And inside is a cold and wet three week old baby girl. (gasps) But she's alive. Oh, Oh, she's totally sorry. alive. No, <laughs> wow. it's okay. She's totally, I mean, that was dirty of me to do, but she's totally alive because he did okay. not think she was alive. Uh-huh. So it was the daughter of a widow and the baby had just been given to a woman named Mrs. Stewart for 12 pounds. So as we remember before that, like five or 10 pounds was like over uh-huh. a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. So it was a, um, a bit of money who had picked up the baby in Plymouth and... Apparently, she left the baby on the very next train. She literally just picked it up, left it in the bag. It just left it there, got huh. off the train and left. And according to sources, it was Polly, Amelia's daughter, the one who said she had nothing to do with uh, it. And that's it. That makes sense. They never caught her. They never anything. Wow. So here is the absolute worst part. And I'm sorry. It's so terrible. But pretty much... Um, what police think if she had continued to be active that entire time, mm-hmm. it was to three or 400 babies is oh what God. they think. And it makes her one of the most prolific serial killers in history. Wow. I know it's super gross. I'm the, sorry, but it's no. crazy because I think I've talked about the baby farms. It's just, like I said, it's such a gross word, but it, I don't know why they called it that, but it was a thing. And I've mentioned it several times and it's crazy. And the freaking bodies in the river, like it's sad, but it's something that I, that keeps showing up when I look up all my Victorian crimes. It's there. Another one that's like that, but wow. And it wouldn't surprise me that her daughter continued on the job, you know, because it's like easy money, I guess. If you're just like, oh, all I have to do is kill Mm -hmm. a baby if you're that cold hearted. Wow. And she'd already been exposed to it for her whole life. Her whole life. So, yeah. Wow. Well. Good job. That Sorry. was yeah. No, it's fine. 
I know you saw my face the whole time I was. <laughs> it was. was like I know it was like I. As I mean, mom, the way that I wrote, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, as a mom. And it sucks because a lot of the cases that I have, like, written down for future, it ends up coming to those. I'm like, I can't yet. And it sucks yeah. because it's um, yeah. not, like, all horrifically graphic things or anything like that. Like, this was bad it's enough, but it wasn't, like, butchered. But it's just, it's it sucks. gives you a pit in your stomach. Yeah, just like, oh, because it's hurts. just so, and it's just unbelievable, the amount and of carelessness. And it's just, like gross yeah wow well mm-hmm. good job <laughs> i'm disgusted thanks it was terrible <laughs> well with that stay crafty and not grimy bye, bye.